tuning in to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. This week, we'll be continuing in our Vineyard Initiative series. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information, you can go to woodsedge.org students. So we're in the middle of our teaching series, our fall kickoff series, The Vineyard Initiative. And this series is all about teaching you two things, who God is. And there's so much, I mean, he's God. There's so much to know about who he is. You can never know enough about who he is. The more you know about who he is, the better for you. Uh, There's a Tozer quote out there somewhere, but Cole Campbell's not here to correct me, but it says something like, um, I can't even remember. It's just awesome about the fact that who you are should be defined by your knowledge of God. You guys should be learners from now until you're dead on who God is. And then secondly, who did God create you to be? As a ministry, as a church, but as individuals, who did God create you to be? What's your purpose in this life? Where does he want you to go to college? Who does he want you to date? What's the best possible potential spouse for you? Um, What kind of dog should you buy? I mean, he wants to speak to all of it. Maybe not today. But still, he wants to be involved in all your decisions. He wants to help you know who he created you to be. So let's tune our ears to who God is and who he created us to be one more time this morning. So Isaiah chapter 5 is our teaching scripture for these past eight weeks. I want to read it for you. Uno mas tiempo. I don't know if I said that right. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He protected the land. He cleared the stones. He planted it with the best vines, and in the middle, he built a watchtower. And then he carved a wine press in the nearby rocks, and then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes. The last five weeks, we've been talking about these, just what, seven simple statements, these seven verbs of discipleship. There's so much in this passage. We've been talking about it by the end of the series, I think, eight or nine weeks, and we're scratching the surface. There's so much in here. But my beloved, who is God, had a vineyard who is us, his people, on a rich and fertile hill. He's blessed us with everything we need for life. I don't care how rich or poor you are. And the first thing that we do is we receive the gift of God's love and what he has for us. That's verb number one, receive. And then next, he protected it. We, as disciples, need to protect what God has given us, our salvation, our gifts, our blessings. What happens if you have something of value and you don't protect it? Somebody's going to snatch it. You might lose it. You need to protect what God gives you. I don't care if that's your identity or a gift or a literal material thing that you know is from the Lord. And then, after protecting it, he cleared the stones. You protect the land, you protect your soul, and then you got to go in and find out, is there anything in the land we're taught we protected from outside influences? Is there anything inside the dirt, inside the ground, that needs to come out so that we can use this vineyard to the max, to the full? And we did that two weeks ago. We wrote down our sins, our struggles, our shames, our, our disgusting memories, our, our painful moments in life up to now, our fears for the future. We wrote those things down and said, God, remove these things. Those are like, these things are weighing us down. They're like stones in our hearts, and we don't want them anymore. They're seating over here if you want it. All right remove these things. I can't remove something like hate, anger, lust. Like I, I don't know how to remove something like that, but God can. So we asked God, help us remove these stones that are weighing us down and keeping us from your best 
for us. And then last week, what do you do with that empty hole where God removed that ugly thing? You plant something beautiful in its place. When we ask God to remove something, we immediately then say, replace it with something else. And the, the best vines available to us, the best seed is this book, God's Word. We need to fill ourselves and then fill ourselves some more with the words from this book. And then this week, we're talking about building a watchtower. What does that mean? How does that equate to the spiritual life? We've got all these verbs that are implicit, like it, you have to do them if you want to see the fruit. And today's verb is build. Build a watchtower. Do we have a photo? We do, because I put it there. Of a watchtower? Boom! Watchtower. Looking over the Rio Grande. No? Is that the Rio Grande? It kind of is. The Grand Canyon, which the Rio Grande flows to, right? Am I right? I could be wrong. All right, watchtower. Check it out. What do you see? What are the attributes of that thing? What do you guys see when you look at that picture? Brick? Sort of, a little bit, a little bit. No light. No, look, look for the good. Look for the good, Nikki. What is that? What do you see as far as an attribute? It's tall. It's high. It's upright. It what? Back of the room? Speak up. There's windows. I see the windows. All right. I just say, I, shh, listen to me now. This is a big deal for me. This is the first time I've said that in the seven years of student ministry. Junior high really did better than you than answering this question. All right. Hey, it's your fault. It's your fault. All right. When I look at that, I see something tall, strong, lasting. It's old. It's reliable. It's known. That's a watchtower. What about where it is? You think it's positioned in the best optimum place for a watchtower? I mean, you use a watchtower to look out and see what's going on. And look at that. You can see for miles. I think I read on Wikipedia, because, you know, it's always right, um, that this watchtower in the Grand Canyon, you can get up there and you can see for 20 miles. That's a lot. I don't know if it's true, but still, it's a lot. But you want to find, as far as our scripture is concerned, the middle of yourself, the center of you and all that God has given you, and God's saying, in that place, in your heart, in your center, you need to build a watchtower. You need to build something strong, safe, secure, positioned at the center of who you are. God is telling us, we need to build something like that inside of us. What does that look like? Well, a curious thing about the Vineyard Initiative, those scriptures from Isaiah chapter 5, is that the watchtower was built from stones, right? And the stones came from the vineyard itself. And the stones that has, have come from the vineyard are what we talked about two weeks ago. There are hurts. There are struggles. There are mistakes, our fears. They're the things that we've asked God, help me get this out of the ground. But God doesn't just, like God uses and redeems everything. So he's going to use those stones those redemptive moments, those things he's rescued you from, and he's going to build a watchtower with them. If you have been obeying any of these scriptures, if you have been putting your faith in action based on this series or anything you've ever read in the Bible, you should have something. You should have a story about who God is and what he's done for you. You should all, I don't even say should, you all have stories about who God is and what he's done for you. And some of you are like, I totally do. I've got like 30 in my back pocket. And some of you are like, I don't know. 
You do. You're alive and you're breathing. You got a story because that's a gift from God. We all have stories about who God is, and our stories are called testimonies. In the Christian faith, a story about who God is and what he's done for us is called a testimony, a personal testimony. People can debate the Bible all day long, and they will, and they have, and they continue to do so, but nobody can debate with you about the thing that God did for you. I was talking to this lady about Jesus one time, talking about the Bible, and she starts arguing with me, and man, she, she knew her stuff. She had made some good arguments. So you know what I did? I stopped trying to defend God's word, because one, I don't have to, and two, I'm not that smart when it comes to the Bible. I, I don't have a PhD in this book. You know, it's a thing. But what I do have is that I have personal stories. I've got stories that I know are real, that God rescued me, that he did something supernatural, and nobody can argue those things. And I started sharing about how real God is to me. And she couldn't argue that. In fact, she was like, really, that happened? That's what got our attention, me sharing what God had done for me. What are some examples of the stones that we removed, that we asked God to get rid of for us the other week? Ignorance of God. How do you deal with ignorance of God? Well, you learn about God. You read his word. Boom, stone gone. Fear. How do you deal with fear? You give your fear to the Lord and you ask for strength in return. Boom, stone gone. And any time you've asked God to answer a prayer for you, and he has, you've got a story to tell. Are you telling it? Or are you just like, that was cool. I'll just keep it to myself. God only does good things for us. No, let me rephrase. God doesn't just do good things for us so that we know we're loved. It's so that we have something to talk about, something to share. All right, so let's think about the watchtower and how it equates to us building our faith, all right? So here I am, ground level. Let's say I pray for salvation, and I just feel something flood over me, or I just, my mind is opened. Something substantial happened when I asked God to save me. And I'm like, this is real. I know this is real. And what does the Bible say if you want to be saved? You need to believe God is real in your heart, and you need to openly declare that he's real. You can't just believe in your heart alone. You also need to say it. If you're a Christian in this room and you believe God is real, awesome. If you're not talking about it, you're missing out. So I believe God is real. He comes and saves me in a cool fashion or something. I tell someone, boom. As I have spoken about what God did for me, it is solidified. It's become more real to me. I'm going through my walk. I'm having quiet time. I'm reading my Bible. I see a scripture in there, and I'm like, that's totally real. I'm going to take my faith, put it into action. I'm going to obey this scripture that says, don't steal. And I don't steal when I should have been tempted to steal and something cool happens, whatever. That happened. Great. I tell someone about it. As I'm talking about it, the experience and what God did for me solidifies, and I'm just feeling higher in my faith. I'm feeling stronger in my faith. I'm like, this is real, and I'm talking about it, and people are being encouraged by it. I got a sick family member. We go to church. We pray for healing. God does something miraculous. Touches her. Cancer. Like life terminal diagnosis and cancer's gone. I can't prove it, but I'm like, I know that was God. I start telling people about this miracle. They start believing. We're excited. God answers prayer. Now I'm up here. I'm like, man, nothing can bring me back down there because I'm not just experiencing God. I'm talking about who he is and by so doing, I am grounding myself in my faith. If you've got a story about who God is, if you tell it, it just becomes more real. It becomes more powerful. What would be the point of Jesus coming and dying for our sins if nobody talked about it? What would be the point of Paul, just his shadow touching people and healing them, if nobody told, told anyone about it? 
when God does good things for us, we're supposed to talk about it, declare it, share it, and if we don't, we're missing out. God is entrusting you with miracle things, with awesome testimonies. You need to use them to draw other people to him. I went way off script, so let's see if I can find my way back. All right. I thought today maybe we could just do this. I could just say, you guys, you know what a testimony is. You know it's an open declaration of faith. You know it's just pointing at God and what he's done for you. So I'm just going to invite you to come on up here and let's do some open mic time and just share what's going on in your life. Share what God has said to you. And I know I could literally stop right now and we'd have a line and you guys would share stories until our time was up. We will do that at the end of the series. We're not going to do that today. I thought about it. I think today we need to talk about what denotes, what what helps us have a good testimony. Because I can talk about Jesus and totally miss the boat on what he wanted me to say. You can tell someone about what God did, but the story at the end of the day might sound more like your story and not God's story. So real simple, some attributes of a good testimony would include somewhere in your story, it needs to be made known that you believe God is real. You can talk about something miraculous and then somebody say, wow, that's an amazing coincidence. That is a word that you need to be tuned to and you need to shut down. It was not a coincidence. We prayed to Jesus for this and that's why I believe. You don't have to convince them that it was Jesus, but you need to say a good testimony, a good story says God is real. Are you sharing what God is doing in your life? Are you making sure people understand that it was the Lord that did that for you, that gave you the courage to confess your sin, that helped you overcome your temptation, that blessed your prayer for healing for someone else or yourself? Make sure your testimony, your stories about God, point to God, that God is real. A good testimony usually involves the fact that either God loves us or saves us or it's just active. People hear stories about God and they're like, yeah, God, the Old Testament God, or, you know, he used to do those things. We need to let people know that God is alive and well and doing things on a regular, daily basis. You guys, last week I had more students come up to me at the end of the service to talk about how God supernaturally gave them a scripture that spoke right to their pain, right to their moment, right to where they're at. Um, I love hearing your stories, but I hope that your stories are not stopping and ending with me, because I don't need to hear them as much as the people around you need to hear them. God is alive and well and active. Your testimony, your story should point to that. He's not just real, he is moving. He answers prayer. He can show up for us right now. You want to pray? Boom. A good testimony should maybe highlight a particular characteristic of God, that he loves us, that he forgives us, that he uh, um, is a God of seasons, that he works in time, that just because bad things happen doesn't mean he's not real. Like You should emphasize not just that God is real, but emphasize maybe who he is. Um, talk about why you believe, yeah, God clearly loves me because... X, Y, Z. You should illustrate not just that he's real, but who he is. Um, a good testimony, really simply put, it puts God on display. We are not the heroes of our own story. We are not the heroes of our story. Jesus is the hero of our story. We would not be here had he not done that for us. We would not have eternal life had he not done that for us. We would not have any hope in any way, shape, or form had he not done that for us. I mean, it, it boggles my mind that atheists believe there's no God because if I believed that there was absolutely no God, I'm just like, what am I even doing here? Why am I even alive? Why can't I just do whatever I want? Even atheists know right from wrong. 
Even people that hate God know right from wrong. There's no point to life, in my opinion, if not for the cross, if not for Jesus. God is real. We are not the heroes of the story. He is. And our story should really point at God more than us. And it should make people hungry for what we know, for what we have. Not in a jealous way, but a, man, I need answer to prayer. I need healing. I need forgiveness. That's what it, those are some things that a good testimony will highlight and point to. Um, I read a, a real brief scripture this week that I want to camp out on for a second. 2 Corinthians 3.3. 3. I love the way that he describes us in this passage. You are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. And this letter is not written with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. You, every single one of you hearing my voice right now, are a letter written to the world about who Jesus is. Even if you don't know Jesus, you're a letter. But you are a letter, so you have a purpose. What is the purpose of a letter? To communicate something. Well, the author is Jesus, so we, as his letters, should communicate him in all that we want to, all that we do. Jesus wants to tell a story through you. The result of our ministry among you. What are the results of this ministry for you? Our hope is that you will put your faith in action, that you will believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is real and that he answers prayer, that you don't need our permission to go and be awesome for the Lord. You don't have to wait for us. Like, just go. We want you to just rise up and be kingdom shakers. We want you guys to go out and pray for people and love people and create. Like, we want to empower you to be all that you can be. I sound like an army commercial. But it's way more important than the army. Props to the army people. All right. We want you guys to know that obeying the Bible works. And we can only see that true for you if you obey what the Bible says and see for yourselves that it works. If you see a scripture that says, I will bless you and not curse you, if, do the if so that you can see, I was blessed, I wasn't cursed. If you see something in the Bible that says, love your neighbor more than yourself, take care of other people and you'll be blessed, do it. Don't just listen to me say it. Don't just read it. Do it so that you can know that the Bible works and obeying it makes a difference, that he blesses us when we put our faith in action. I love the last part that it says it's carved not on tablets of stone but on human hearts. You guys, I don't want to have to be dependent upon this book all day every day to know. I want to experience it. I want you to live your faith so that God writes the truth of who he is on your heart so that you can go anywhere and just know beyond knowing that God is real and he moves. We owe it to Jesus. I mean, look at the price he paid. So that. I mean, look at it. Look at that cross. That's what he did for us. He allowed himself to be nailed to that thing and bleed out so that we could have life and live it to the full. We owe it to Jesus to tell stories, to tell his story, to tell our stories about him to people around us. People are literally dying to hear your stories. People that you know that no one else can reach but you. You know people that will listen to you. Those are your people. Those are the ones you should be sharing Jesus with. I want to show us a clip here in a second. Throw up my photo of the magicians. You guys know these guys? You recognize those dudes? All right, some of you do, some of you don't. This is Penn and Teller. 
They are arguably two of the most famous magicians in our generation. The whole magic magician community, whatever illusionists, know these guys. They're stationed in Vegas. They got a great show. They're a lot of fun to watch. They have a TV show called Foolish where other magicians come and do their tricks. And then they want to see if Penn and Teller can figure it out. And most of the times they do because they've been around a long time and they know their stuff. Penn is very famous, not just for being a magician, but for being a very vocal atheist. Penn Gillette is an atheist. He does not believe that God is real. And he's a very intelligent man, and he's, a very, he's got a huge voice, a huge audience. He's got a lot of influence. And people just know he doesn't believe in God, and he talks openly about it. Um, that's who he is. He's a magician. He's an atheist. He doesn't believe in God. He's also got this podcast where he gets up and he talks about magic and life and whatever. And he recorded a podcast. It's several years ago. But what he says about how someone approached him and shared Jesus with him, shared their story. He was so rocked. And what he has to say is so gripping. I just want us to watch this little brief podcast where he shares how impacted he was when a man came up and proselytized, shared Jesus with Penn, and what an impact it made on him. Let's, let's watch this clip. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And... Um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so we had the props from that in his hand because we'd give those away. He had the, uh, the joke book and the, and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said... Um, I was here last night at the show, and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted. And he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, "I brought this for you," and he handed me a uh, Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane, I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist.
but he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. But this guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on. And then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. All right. Trying to ignore the cheesy opening and ending music. I, I saw that for the first time years ago, and it just rocked me. And it rocked me last service, and it rocked me this week when I watched it, and it rocked me again just now. This is a guy that does not believe in God in any way, shape, or form. And he was so impacted by this man that stood up and just said, I'm going to stand up for my faith and share God with this dude that I know doesn't want to hear it. This is a bold move. This guy goes to his show, is impressed by it, goes home, and feels convicted. I'm supposed to give that man a Bible. Goes back, watches the show again, and then approaches this man who, I mean, if you ever thought somebody might spit on you or argue with you or whatever, that's the guy. Gives him a Bible, and he's just kind. He's just He's just loving on pen. Man, your show was incredible. You, you're really talented. And by the way, I, I, got, I just wanted to give this to you. Um, and if you ever want to talk about it, here's five numbers where you can reach me. Um, I'm impressed by that guy's faith. I, I don't know who he is or where he is today, but that was a bold move, and God loved that. He didn't get up and try and make him a Christian. He didn't get up and say, I'm, I'm here to walk you into the kingdom, and you're not leaving. Like, he just got up and said, you're awesome. I love what you do, and here's a Bible. This is, this is God's word for you, and, you know, if you ever want to talk about it, I'm here. It was that simple. You have opportunities to share. Tomorrow at school, what are people going to ask you? What did you do this weekend? If you heard something this morning, talk about it. If you've had a great quiet time this week, talk about it. If something awesome happened in small groups, talk about it. 
tell people who God is and what he's been up to lately. Man, this weather is amazing. Praise the Lord. I love the temperature. I love this season we're in. I love God and nature. The end. Right there, you have shared a little bit about who God is and opened yourself up for deeper conversation in the future. I thought it was very interesting that Penn pointed out two reasons why he feels Christians don't share their faith. It's because how much do you have to hate someone to not share the fact that you believe there's a heaven and a hell? And you guys, I'll ask us that. How much do we have to hate people to not share? There's a heaven and there's a hell. God is real. He forgives and saves. And we, we walk around like these little mice with our mouth closed. You guys, we need, to, we need to love more. We need to ask for more love to step up and share who God is. But I don't think for us it's a hate problem. I don't see a lot of hate in this room. I know you guys love people. I know you love the Lord. But I do think his second point was true. Um, we're afraid to speak up. We're afraid of being socially awkward. You know what I say to that? <laughs> don't be afraid. Justin, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to talk about who God is and what he's up to. It's the coolest thing you have to say. You literally have a real supernatural thing to share at any given moment if you look for it, if you ask for it. Don't be afraid to share your faith. I don't know where Penn is in his faith. I'm pretty sure he's still an atheist, but he remembers that encounter. It has made a lasting impact on him because a man, a person, stepped out and put their faith in action and just said, you're awesome, and God is real and loves you, and that's it. He didn't get up and say, you're going to hell. Bad things are going to happen. You're living your life like a sinner. He just said, you're awesome. God is real and he loves you. You, we can do that. Last week, we closed out our message by asking the Lord for a word by faith. God, give me something to speak to me. And I had so many students approach me afterwards saying, God, give me such an awesome verse. I had one student approach me, I think after this service. I opened at three different places in the scriptures. And each time I opened, I found the same story in different parts of the Bible, but it was the same story over and over. I know God was speaking to me. That's awesome. The odds of opening a book of nearly seven, eight, nine hundred pages with 66 books and innumerable psalms to the same story three different times, that's supernatural. I hope that student has been talking about that to somebody else, not just me. But that's awesome. And that's what God does when we move in faith and act on our faith. But I also opened the Bible last week and asked for a word. And I have time to read it, but I just opened up and I'm like, okay, 2 Samuel 22 through 24, I'm going to read that. I've read that all week. It's shaped my entire week. It's been so timely. I have needed the wisdom in those words this week more than I knew I would. And I've been reading that and praying over it and pouring over it. And there's some of it that I feel like was not just for me, but for us. So tune your, tune your ears. 2 Samuel 22, 2 through 7. This is David praying to God. And I love David's prayer. David was a master at encouraging himself in the Lord. He's having a bad day. He doesn't call and complain to his friends. He goes to the word. He goes to the Lord. He encourages himself. He lifts himself up. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield. He is the power that saves me and my place of safety. God is my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. The waves of death overwhelmed me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God for help. 
and he heard me from his sanctuary, my cry reached his ears. David was not thinking these words. David was not imagining this heart cry. David was literally crying out. He was verbally praying to the Lord, and I guarantee if there were other people in the room, he didn't care. But he was vocalizing. He was taking his faith that God hears and answers prayer, and he was speaking about it. He was solidifying it. And the more David said these words out loud, I guarantee the stronger he felt, and the more he realized God is going to come through for me. I hope you guys are being bold in your worship, in your prayers, and speaking up. Don't be mice. Don't just whisper to yourself. Speak up. God wants to hear from you. He's given you stuff to say. He's even given you prayers to pray. God loves it when we act on faith and when we cry out and listen to this incredible fashion how God immediately answers David's prayer. David cries out to the Lord. And then the earth quaked and trembled. And the foundations of the heavens shook. They quaked because of God's anger. Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals blazed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angelic being, he flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dense rain clouds. And a great brightness shone around him, and burning coals blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded, and he shot arrows and scattered my enemies. His lightning flashed, and they were confused. And then at the command of the Lord, at the blast of his breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen, and the foundations of the earth were laid bare. My God reached down and rescued me. Why? Why did God reach down and rescue him? Because David had faith, and he acted on it by speaking up. And that is how we build the watchtower in the middle of our heart. Have faith and act on it. And your action can be as simple as just talking about the Lord. Speaking out when you pray. Solidify what God is doing in you by giving a voice to it. I've been thinking of this clip from a movie. I love using movie clips. But I've been thinking about this clip from a movie all week of someone, I just couldn't remember when, just saying with such authority, no! I'm sorry if that's overdoing it, but I'm going to do it again. No! This clip, and I'm just like, it's so, sorry if I spit on you, Julie, it's so passionate and powerful, and I just know in my mind that it's somebody saying no to an oppressor, and I'm like, I want to show that clip. I, I need to know what that is, but I couldn't figure out what it was until the last minute, and I don't want to use it, but it doesn't matter. We are crippled by fear. We are assaulted by the enemy, especially when it comes to sharing our faith, talking about the Lord. And this clip was from Planet of the Apes, and it's when Caesar is being just bullied by this guy that hates him, hates everything he stands for, doesn't see the good in him, just thinks he's this dirty ape. But there was something special about Caesar. Caesar had gifts. Caesar had potential. Caesar had a voice. And as he's beating on Caesar, trying to shut him up and keep him down, Caesar stands up to his oppressor and says, no! And the oppressor's like, what? Talking monkey. You guys, you have an enemy, 
and we all deal with fear, and it wants to slap us around, keep us down, and it is time for you to say no to fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity. He has given every single one of you a spirit of power and love and self-control. You need to stand up and own your faith and solidify it by talking about it. You have incredible things to say. Find your voice. Say no to the enemy and say yes to Jesus and talk about it. It is not as scary as you think. You will not be spit on or beat up. But you know what? If you are, praise God. Because God says when you are persecuted for your faith, he blesses you. He blesses it. So don't be afraid. Even if you hit that wall, he's going to bless it and use it even more. And whether or not they listen, you have just built up your faith. Speak up. We're going to close out our service. Dwight and the band are going to come up here and wrap us up. Here's how we're closing today. We're going to close in prayer. And the spirit of prayer, I feel like the spirit of prayer I feel like we should have is the spirit of Caesar, standing up to his oppressor and saying, "No more. You will not push me around anymore. I will not be afraid to say what God wants me to say." I would like you guys to go ahead and stand up now. And I would like you guys to get in groups. I don't care if it's a group of three or ten, but get with your people, get with your small group, move around the room. I want us to pray a very simple two-part prayer. I want you to ask for a story to tell this week. Ask God to give you a story. He might remind you of one that you already have. He might do something supernatural in you this week. But ask the Lord for a story. I don't know that Carla Fernandez is here, but Carla was here months ago, and she wanted to see a vision. She's like, I just would love to experience God in a vision. I'm like, Carla, you should ask for it. So she prayed right there with me, God, I want a vision. I want something to talk about. And the next week she came up, and she's like, you're never going to guess what happened. I'm like, what was your vision? Because God gave her a vision, and she talked about it. Ask the Lord for a story. That's part one. Part two. Be bold and just ask God, give me courage. Give me supernatural courage. Destroy any fear I have. Like, this could be another remove part of our series, but just remove your fear. Say, God, take my fear and replace it with courage, with boldness. God did not make you mice. You are lions for Jesus Christ. Pray that over yourselves. I'm going to start us off. Own this time. Pray with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that you're real and that you love us. Thank you that you're incredible. Thank you for the way that I feel right now talking to my friends about you because I know that you're real. I can feel you coursing through me. I pray that you would just put yourself in and over every student in here. Encourage us to know that you have not even begun to bless us. Thank you for the word of prophecy spoken over this ministry on Tuesday this week that says, no good thing will I withhold. You will not withhold any good thing that we ask for. So may we ask with boldness for stories and courage today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. Please feel free to share copies of this podcast. Do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information, please visit woodsedge.org slash students or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash woodsedgestudents.